Thanks, Rich. Well, good morning, folks. And uh, I had a, a Sunday off last Sunday, and often when I have a Sunday off, uh, I, I like to visit local churches. And uh, I was talking to Fliss. Fliss, unfortunately, didn't have a Sunday off last Sunday, but I did. And I was saying, I wonder which church I'll go to. And I was naming a few. And she said, just don't do that. And I said, I beg your pardon. She says, whenever you go to, church, to another church, you end up like a sort of consultant, you know. And, you know, you start sort of jotting notes. Just, just chill out, you know, do something. Well, anyway, I, uh, I sort of chilled out. But then I went on to the God Channel. And uh, I found... Uh, uh, I, I was amazed. It said, vibrant worship from Hatfield. Uh, it turned out to be Hatfield, South Africa, I think. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I thought it was like a prompt from God. So I watched that and I got you know, really energized and uh, excited. So it was, I was doing church on my own. The other thing I've done this past week, which uh, has been interesting, I, I had a couple of spare holiday days, which I wanted to use up before we got into the S December kind of rush. And so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll clear out my garage. Oh, my goodness. You know, have anybody here, let's be honest, I just want a show of hands. Is it just me? Do you have a, a shed or a garage or a loft or even a spare room that you don't dare go into? Well, a lot of you are laughing, there's a few hands. Well, I thought, you know, I'm scared of that garage. It, it, it features in my nightmares now. I, I've, I've got to do something about the garage, you know. So I spent three days going back and forth to the tip. And, and you know, the tips have changed. My goodness, have they changed. Tips used to be, you just go there and you chuck your rubbish in a great big skip. Not anymore. My goodness, you know, I had a full car load. I did five car loads, you know. Fliss's little micro, I didn't want to use my car, you know. <laughs> and uh, didn't want to mess my car up, so I borrowed Fliss's when she wasn't looking, you know. And uh, packed the stuff in there, and I went to the skip, and, and now, my goodness, this recycling thing has really, really gripped hold. I, I thought it was very impressive. And every bag I took, I got these builder's sacks, and I'd drag them up to the thing, hoping I could just chuck it all in. The bloke would stop me, had a yellow jacket on, you know. Stop me, he says, what you got in there? And he would sort of root around and say, right, well that wire, that goes in, that skip, and this goes in that. And each bag took about five, ten minutes to sort, of, to sort of empty because I was running around to various different places. Hard plastic, wood, paper, fabrics, you know, wire, electrical stuff, you name it, you know. And what struck me about this whole thing was that my rubbish is somebody else's treasure. Somebody else's treasure. Uh, and I'm, I was delighted that actually, and I'm sure you are too, so little of it was going to some landfill site. Most of it was in some way, shape or form being recycled. Uh, and it set me thinking about, uh, you know, this week's message in the deeper series. So this is the, almost the last. We've got a couple more weeks to do, but we're doing, for those of you visiting this morning, we're following this book, Fully Devoted. And, and actually, you can still get a copy. I ran up there just before the service began, and we've still got maybe half a box left. We've had five boxes, over 500 books, and we've got the last few left, so get those. There are five of each. And, and I'm, I'm preaching this week, and I was thinking about the message, and I was thinking about this treasure thing, you know, and, and how people value stuff. And as I was about, it was so poignant, it was almost cheesy. But as I was about to leave the, 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 the skip site, you know, the, the household disposal site, in the mud on the ground was a little dirty soft toy, only that big, a little elephant. 
and it was sort of been dropped and abandoned in the mud. I should have brought it along for you. I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> but I thought it, it was quite poignant because I thought, you know, there it is. It's been dropped on the floor, but some kiddie treasured that at some point. I mean, my, my, my son Samuel, he's, he's the worship pastor here. He still has a monkey called George. <laughs> I didn't tell you that, okay? I didn't tell you that, all right? He's going to kill me. Please don't say that to him. <laughs> okay, I just want a finger, a show of fingers. How many of you have got a favorite soft toy at home still? Look at that! Look at you old softies. You've all got one. And there was this poor little elephant that had been some, some child's treasure at one point, and there it was, abandoned at the tip. What a sorry thing. But I, I really want to just sort of talk for a few moments about treasure, really, and, and ask a question. Start by asking a question. What does God treasure? It's a good question. What does God treasure? Let me just pray because I, I, I just so want to get this right. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you to you because I already know the answer to this and many of us do here too. But we pray that every single person in this room who listens to this podcast and wherever they are in the world will at the end of this message, if nothing else, be absolutely clear about what God treasures. Come Holy Spirit, thank you. So treasure, you know, we treasure all sorts of things, but what does God treasure? And, uh, you know, there, there's a number of things that I want to just sort of maybe surprise you with. You know, God treasures creation. You know, he made that. That was his idea. He made this. He made it, and he looked upon it, and it was good. It may not be so good now. It may be a, a little bit world-weary. It might be that... It might be like that elephant in the mud in the recycling center now, abandoned and unloved and looking rather dirty. Sadly, that is the case in, 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 in a growing proportion of the world, but God treasures creation. You know what? And so should we. He treasures it. He, lo he is love, and he loves everything that he has made. He holds it in high esteem. Of course, he loves his son, Jesus, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, of course. How, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to ask, you know, who doesn't love their children? Who doesn't love them? Well, God, can you imagine God's love for his Son, Jesus? And yet there's something which is almost shocking. I say almost shocking because I, I've, I've known this now for some 30-odd years, and it, it doesn't seem to shock me anymore. But I remember the first time I realized the implication of what I'm about to tell you, and it shocked me. It shocked me. Let me just read a little verse that'll give us a bit of a clue here. There's a number I could have chosen, but for reasons I've almost forgotten myself, now I chose this one. But 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty, so that through his poverty we might become rich we might become rich. God who was rich became poor so that we might become rich. Now the story, the shocking story behind that is that what that actually means is that God the Father gave his son Jesus 
to die upon the cross, he gave his most precious, can we call a person a possession? You know where I'm going with this. Bear with me, play with me on this. He gave his most precious possession in order that you and I might be set free. So he treasures creation, he treasures his son, but you know what his highest treasure is? It's you and me. When I first began to grapple with this some 30 odd years ago, I couldn't believe it. What I believed about myself was at odds with what the Bible said because I thought, well, nobody would die for me. Come on, nobody's going to do that. Nobody would, you know, somebody who was fabulously rich wouldn't do that for me, would they now? That just doesn't make sense. No, that, that, no, no, that crossed the line there. But I found the story compelling and almost guiltily, I kept coming back to it, reading again that God, for reasons that were beyond me, valued me so highly that he himself gave up his life that I might have life. He went to the cross so that we don't have to. He was rejected. He was abandoned, so we aren't abandoned. This is the the gospel message, old-fashioned word. It just simply means good news. This is the good news that God treasures us so highly that even though he was rich, he became poor. Even though his precious one and only son was the very apple of his eye, He asked him to come and die for us. He preferred us. He gave himself for us. Now, as Christians, those of us who are already followers of Jesus know, we we know that actually we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that God actually vindicated his son, and he rose from the dead. And that's the reason why I, I believe why we have a church The Church of Jesus Christ, a third of the world's population now own allegiance to Jesus worldwide. That's an incredible thing. Eight billion, nearly eight billion people now in the world. And a third of the world doth the hat in Jesus' direction. A third of the world. Because it's a profound truth that not only are we treasured, but Jesus rose from the dead, and now he shares that with us. I came up with a little story a few years ago. I haven't told it for a while. Some of you will remember. It's a kind of a parable almost. And it simply is this, that this is true. Many years ago now, Prince Charles went on a tour of India, one of these royal sort of visits, and he he expressly asked to go and visit Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa has been with the Lord now for some time, but then she was still at work in Calcutta. Extraordinary woman, known pretty well to everyone, I would imagine. And he went to, to visit her work, and... And, and I, remember, I remember this so clearly, him standing there with one of these little abandoned babies, you know, just, just past being premature, just, just, just over the hill of life, just managed to survive the trauma of being born in a slum and abandoned. And one of the, one of the sisters and the team there you know, cared for this child, and she's just, this little girl is just about going to be viable now. And, and Prince Charles is holding this thing, and he was visibly moved visibly moved and he hugged her and he held her 
And he's sort of in his own inimitable style, and I'm not going to sort of try and make you laugh by trying to take him off, but he, he said words the effect, extraordinary work, extraordinary work. How could one fail to be moved by this? But there came that moment when an aide tapped him on the shoulder and whispered in the back of his ear. And almost with reluctance, Prince Charles gave the baby back and then was hustled on in a motorcade somewhere else. But for a few moments there, he held that child. The future King of England, who knows, held that child. Father God has gone one step beyond that, but a significant step. Father God has held the child, you and me, but he refuses to give you back. The word of God actually says, no one can snatch you from my hand. He's keeping you. It's as if Prince Charles said to, to, to his aide, excuse me, this is really far more important. It's as if Prince Charles said to one of the, the representatives of the Indian government, you know what, I want to adopt this child, this little girl, this little Calcutta orphaned girl. I want to adopt her. I want to make her my own. It's as if he said to, it's as if he said to Mother Teresa, I, I, I'm sorry, I've got to do my part. I've got to do something. I can't just give her back to whatever future. And that child, that woman, that young woman is somewhere now, presumably. All she knows is that once a king came and held her and then gave her back to the slums. But Father God is different. Father God says to us, I will not give you back. When you come to me, I will, I will treasure you because you are my treasure. And it's as if Prince Charles took that child back to England and gave her the finest of educations, fit for a princess. <laughs> And in all the family photographs on the, you know, on the balcony of, of, of Buckingham Palace, she is now there, a little Asian girl. And all, everyone knows her. Princess, whatever. Adopted by Prince Charles back in the 70s when he visited the slums of Calcutta. What an extraordinary story. But that's the story of Scripture. Because God has done more than just treasure us and save us by asking his son to die upon the cross for us, which he was willing to do for, for your sin and mine. He has adopted us. He has made us princes and princesses. We are now, we are now heirs to the throne with Christ. Ephesians chapter two, check it out yourself. God has raised us up and seated us at the right hand of the Father. Not in some sort of nice guest room in the grounds, but has seated us with him at his table in his living room. Remember when you were a kid and you went on a school trip to some stately home? I remember going to Hampton Court. We were very excited about it, but when we got there, we trailed through all these stately rooms along red carpets with sort of barriers either side, and we weren't allowed to go to the left or to the right. We were hustled through like this, and this is that. And after about three and a half rooms, I was bored out of my brain. All I wanted to do was jump on the bed, the four-poster bed, and run amok. It brought the worst out of me, and we were hustled through, and then the next party was hustled through. Well, you know, you're in the court of the king, you can jump on the bed if you want to. The barriers have been taken out. The, the, the guest carpets have been rolled up. 
This is what he has done for you because he treasures you. He treasures you. Now, to be honest with you, if God was to strike me dead now, and please, he's not going to do that, but if he was to do that, I, I could happily finish the sermon now because for some of you, this is a message you've needed to hear this morning. You need to know, you need to hatch, catch a glimpse and then do your own investigation maybe of, 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 of what God has done for you. You think we're just playing church? No, we're celebrating an extraordinary life-changing truth that God is here by his spirit. He has come to, to greet you and once you surrender to him, he'll never let you go. And he is lovingly disposed towards you. He is carefully, careful of you and mindful of you. And I, I want to just pause here and just say one little one line of prayer. I'd ask you just all bow your head now, please. Holy Spirit. It would be remiss of me to charge on into the rest of this message without at least acknowledging this great gift of yours. Thank you that though you were rich, you became poor because you treasure us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, I'm even going to do something else. If, if you want to accept Jesus as your, your Savior, your Lord, your Deliverer, if you want him to, to just include you in, just, just stay where you are. Not, I'm not going to ask people to come forward or anything like that, but just raise your hand where you are now. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can see four or five hands going up. Wonderful. Lord God, I just pray now that you'd forgive all of our sins, that you would welcome us home, and that you would never let us go. And everyone said, Amen. Now, all of us can celebrate that, but for a number of you who did that this morning, that, that's a very significant thing you've done. Scripture says that if we take a step towards God, he runs towards us. And the Holy Spirit is running towards you now. And I'd encourage you even to get a little prayer at the end, just a blessing at the end. But I want to move on because I have another task to do this morning. And, and, and it's just as godly as that. It's, it's to challenge us, to, to ask you, really, you know, what do we treasure? You know, if God treasures us and we've spent time talking about, well, what do you treasure? Matthew 6, 19 to, to 21 says this. If I can turn it up quickly. Oh, so thank you, Matt. Thank you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's treasure is us, he treasures our hearts, and so he spends himself on us, he has given himself. But, but what are we spending ourselves on? What are we using our time, our energy, and our money on? You know, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And I want to spend a few minutes just talking about giving. It's actually the next, the next topic in the book, giving. You know, Jesus spent just over, there were just over 500 references to prayer. 
There's just over 300 references in his teaching to, to relationships. But you know, there's 2,300 references in the scriptures to our attitude to, to money and, and possessions and you know, our, the things that we, we surround ourselves. And I'm just, you know, I tell you, the stuff that was in my shed that I didn't even know I had, I am just as blessed or just as guilty as, as the next man. Uh, my life is full of clutter full of stuff that I can't quite yet give away. If you like, it's almost treasure. And I even found myself, actually wasn't even thinking about the sermon, but I was thinking to myself, Chris, you've just got to get a grip on this. You're becoming a hoarder. You just can't get rid of anything. You've got to take some stuff to the tip. Use Fliss's car and take it to the tip, you know. <laughs> Don't use your car, use her car, you know. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And when we think about Christian giving, you know, it, it, it makes us uncomfortable and we start to switch off. I've actually listened, interestingly enough, on the, on the God Channel things. I don't spend a lot of time looking at them, to be honest, but this week, because I've had time, I've, I've looked at one or two, and it's, I've been interested in the sort of kind of effect it has on me. I find myself bracing for the, myself for the appeal, you know. But, you know, when, when we talk about treasure, and where our priorities lie, it has been said, and I, and I agree with it, that if we look at our budgets, the things we send our, our money on, it, it, it's, it's indicative of, it tells us a lot about where our priorities are. And I just want to run a little movie clip. It's just a minute and a half, which will help make the point. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Anybody recognize that? Yeah, let's not press into that too much. But I mean, the point is this, that actually, as many of you would tell me, and, and I, I, I've heard this, and I know it, and I believe it, is that actually Christian giving is all about generosity. It's not about law. We've moved past the law, thank God, because of what Jesus has done. It's all about generosity. It's about the heart. But you know, generosity, Christian generosity, and I've been observing people being, you know, in, in this sort of whole area for some time. It's interesting, Jesus observed people as they gave. But, but as I've observed our attempts at, at being generous, it's a bit like dieting. You know, I, I'll just, you know, I'll begin next one month. Uh, am I the, people looking blank at me. Did anybody ever try to diet and it's not worked? Nobody? My goodness, come on guys. Dieting is one of those things that, you know, I haven't had to bother with most of my life, but the last two or three years I've, I've had to sort of uh, you know, diet hard, which is why I look so fantastic now. Um, but I found it, you know, I found it to be a lot more difficult than, than I thought because, you know, it's, it's, I, I just try to diet and I try to be generous. But unfortunately, trying doesn't cut it. As we said right at the beginning of this, this deeper series, you know, we're, we're, trying is good. I mean, please do try, but, but actually training is better. You know, Dennis, bless his heart, spoke so well last week. He used to, used to be an athlete. I'm sure you still are, yes, absolutely, of course. But he was, ran for the county and everything. And, and you just don't try to do that. You actually have to train. That takes some focus and some discipline. That takes some early mornings. That takes a program. It, it, it takes training, doesn't it, Dan? It, you just don't get up there and do that and achieve that kind of level. And that's the same thing with discipleship. All areas of discipleship, it's not just trying to be good. How insipid is that? It takes training. And actually, the scriptures give us a model for training in generosity. P 
People don't recognize this. They get all kind of bristly, like I was when I was watching the TV this week and somebody was doing an appeal. The training in scriptures for generosity is called tithing. Tithing, 10% of our income. 10% of our income. And people kind of get all hooked up over this. But, but tithing is, is the, what I call the finger exercise of generosity. You know, if you ask these musicians up here, or if those of you who are musicians, you know, you, you know it's, it's just the same as with athleticism. You know, you have to train, and, and there's no way around it. You have to learn how to tune the instrument. You have to go through these exercises. Believe me, I've done it. I am a, a, a little bit, of, a tiny bit of a guitarist. And, and you just, it's so awkward, and if you're learning the guitar, you get real sores on your fingers until your fingers kind of get calloused up. And, and you know, you're having to stretch these awkward shapes. And, and it, it, you don't just pick up a lovely guitar and, and, and play beautifully. It takes training. It takes discipline. And generosity is exactly the same way. Because uh, you know, every single one of you here, and I don't need a show of hands for this, wants to be generous. But life happens. We saw it in that little clip. You know, we, we, we begin well, but life happens. You know. Something happens and it throws us off. And, and if it's not built into our life in a systematic way, we just end up not trying but failing. I have failed in generosity. I have fallen short of my own good intentions. So what Fliss and myself did some years ago now, we started the training program. And religiously, Nobody told us to be religious, but we are religious in this now. Even if we get a little bit of unexpected money coming in, for whatever reason, we will tithe that. We will give 10%. And now it's a way of life, and now it's something that we've built in. And some months we, we barely make it to the end of the month. Some months we don't make it to the end of the month, even now. And I've got, all my kids have grown up and all the rest of it. But it's a struggle. But we keep that exercise. We keep exercising that generosity in the faith and the hope that it's going to actually catch in us and we're gonna find ourselves in that place of, of, of freedom in that. And, and sometimes I preach this and I've had people come up and poke me in the chest and say, where do you find that in the Bible? My goodness, you know, they get all sort of agitated and I don't wanna ask, don't dare ask, how much have you given away in this wonderful spirit of generosity that you're modeling to me this morning? But actually, you know, 1 Corinthians 16 is as good a place as any, thank you, Matt, I think I've got it on there. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatians churches to do. Does it go on beyond that? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I gave you the wrong thing. Let me just uh, find this. So what I'm really saying here is that we need to, tr it's, it's all about training, not trying. And, and really, we need to, uh, you know, take a, a look at the way and be honest about what we're doing. And it says here, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, the collection can be made. You know, it's, it's all about a bit of self-discipline. It's all about the finger exercise of generosity. And as it begin, becomes part of your life, part of the routine, part of what you do, so generosity begins to bubble up within you. And also, on top of that, what happens is that you will find that 
Incidentally, you will be better at budgeting because suddenly you'll be, instead of just sort of going, no, 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 I just want to pretend, I'm just going to do what I want to do and hope it works at the end of the month, you will find in all sorts of areas actually your own finances improving because suddenly you're looking at how to, how to manage money effectively and how to do that well. I've all but done, but I want to just say this, I always say this when I talk about money, and that's that I know that some of you are struggling and facing redundancy or in redundancy at the moment. That is a tough call. No doubt about it. And if you find yourself in a situation where you really need somebody to talk about, we have a wonderful ministry here. It's called Money Management, and, and you can access it on the website, and we have a a number of trained counselors who will help you, help you on your budget. Sometimes they've even acted as advocates and gone to credit card companies. They've even been to court on one occasion and averted a disaster. You are not alone. You have not been abandoned. There is a way forward in all of this. And we have people that can help you in this. But it's my prayer that you would find yourself we would find ourselves being able to be generous, not begrudgingly, because we're gritting our teeth and really trying, but become, because it becomes a way of life for us, something that brings life, something that uh, actually is a response to God's gift to us, the gift of his son Jesus, where he, held, he didn't hold back where he poured himself out, treasures us, gives himself for us, and now calls us to do the same. So where's your treasure? Does it reflect kingdom values? And if it doesn't, can I suggest, humbly suggest, you pray about it and start getting into the training program. Let's have the band up. Let's all stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you to you because, yes, it's, it's just as true now as it was 20 minutes ago that you have given yourself for us. You've not held back. And now, Lord God, as we examine our own hearts and ask ourselves, as we look at our pocketbooks, our, our credit card statements, as we look at our budgets and ask, what, is, what do we value? Where on the list of priorities does your kingdom come? In terms of our time, our energy, and yes, our money. We pray, Lord God, that you would work something deep within us, that we might be generous. For all things come from you. And of your own do we give you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.